You're stepping stones behind Now something calls for you Forget the dead you've left They will not follow you The vagabond is rapping at your door And standing in the closet you once more Strike another mask who's standing All right, because three is the crowd. I'm here today, once again, as always, in the what garage. You mean for the first time ever. For the first time ever in, in the, the garage. garage. Wow. Yeah. Kelly's Garage in Portland, Oregon. That's where right. I've recorded forever. That's right. I'm back. I'm out of the barn. <gasps> I'm out of the sub zero temperatures. And I'm back in Portland. Yeah. And I am also here, joined with Kelly and. And Kendra. That's our right. Kendra. She's back. Remember. She was back for, I guess we saw you last for Sweetheart Like You. By the way, that's a cute yeah. hat. By the way, that is a cute hat, that song. And then um, ser- Series of Dreams. Series of Dreams before that. And we did last year. or This is our one-year anniversary officially. Of Trust um, By the time we're recording, of Trust Yourself. Wow. So if you want to go back to relive the drunken debauchery of, dr- of Trust Yourself. Then keep listening. Well, no, because we're not going to talk about Trust Yourself anymore <laughs> after this. But we will be playing some songs and we will be talking about a much better song. Uh, this week. Before we get into that, Kendra, you're doing well in this one year since um, we left you in a COVID unsafe place. Kelly was screaming, COVID unsafe, COVID unsafe. All that stuff's aged really well. It's aged really well. Everything's fine. Who even knows about pandemics anymore? But you've had a good, have you had a good summer? You know, you're you're here yeah. out of the world. Living. It's, it's been a whirlwind and yeah. upside down twist and turn of a magical adventure. So I'm sure everybody has had that experience. Nice. But you are here and you're with us and that's great. Kelly, Happy to be back. How has how's your week been since our last episode, Changing of the Guards? Great. Yeah. Just just dang wonderful. I bought, I bought a trailer. Yeah, that's right. Camper trailer. Yeah, so that's really exciting. Yeah, it's it's amazing, guys. Yeah. We're going to hit the Daniel's going to live in it. He doesn't know. Sign on the window is coming. I'm not going to live in it. I mean, really, my mom's going to live in it. But Daniel will probably stay in it sometimes, maybe. That'd be fun. Well, and me too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to make sure it's tip. Top trailer. <laughs> Tip top trailer. That's right. God damn it. This, however, is not a podcast about how things age. Or from campers. From year to year. Or campers. Man. Or magical journeys, necessarily. But we might get into that. Uh, no, this is a Bob Dylan podcast, guys. Did you forget that we've been doing this forever? It's a Bob Dylan podcast. Yeah, yeah. Kelly and I spent the entire week listening to a Bob Dylan song this week. We said, Kendra, how, how about you listen to a song with us? And she said... Fine. That sounds great. <laughs> as long as they're better than the last few songs. Right. You would have so, done it anyway. You would have done it anyway. That's true. Uh, <laughs> yeah. We created a public playlist this week. Kendra threw on uh, on this playlist as well. So it's extra long. So you can go to Spotify and listen to that. You can search, see that my playlist is kept clean. I've been listening to Bob Dylan for most of my life. Kendra has heard roughly the same number of songs as The Maroons, Dimensions, Seconds to Summer, Finger Death Punches, Jackson's, Wee's, Furious's, Harmonies, and Ben Folds's. Excellent. This is my favorite number one so far. Five. And- Kelly. Why are you holding up an eight? Five. What's the Jackson eight? <laughs> and Kelly has heard roughly the same number of songs as the age of Sarah, Abraham's wife, when she died and was buried in what became the Cave of the Patriarchs. I'm sorry. She and lived over 100 week, years? This is garbage. I'm sure you've heard that many songs. It's all over now. Yeah, but who's Sarah and how did she live that long? You must leave now. Take what you need. You think will last. 
understands your orphan with his gun Crying like a fire in the sun Look out, the saints are coming through And it's all over now, baby blue Okay, we spent the entire uh, week, or a little bit longer, I guess, just uh, with traveling and stuff like that, listening to It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, a fucking bona fide stone-cold classic from Bob Dylan. This episode, however, before we even get into it, is brought to you by... Our newest patron, Tyler. That's right, Tyler. Tyler! Thank you so much. <laughs> and if you want to be like our collective boy, Tyler, and sponsor a podcast, you can do that by going to patreon.com slash pod, And that's pod everywhere. But we're also here, as you guys have known, any fan of this show who's watched, uh, sorry, who has listened to Baby I'm in the Mood for you or last year's Trust Yourself, Trust Yourself, which, sorry, I did mention one more time. Uh, we are here also for uh, the holiday of holidays, Kelly's favorite holiday, the only thing she re- religiously celebrates, but not in a religious way. But not way. in a religious way. St. <laughs> Patrick's Day. Yeah. So you're listening to this in April, uh, just because I can't record it in one second and get it out into the world. But we are here and we're drinking. Heck yeah. Because of course we are. So we've got, what do we got this time? We've got Slane whiskey, Irish whiskey. Mm-hmm. And what's our... St. Brandon's Irish Cream Liqueur, because why pay the, just for the name, Brand Bailey's? I mean, this is also... St. Brandon's, he's just as delicious as Mr. Bailey. Absolutely. Yeah. So the episodes are, are being sponsored by these two. And yeah. then a good old Guinness, Guinness classic Guinness, universe. yeah. It's got, the, it's got the... It's got the... Ball in it, as oh. Guinness do. Oh, man, mine's going to curl before it makes it around oh. the table. Oh, no, no, no. Mine's so, definitely going to curl. Before we do this, uh, I'll get into it afterwards, since we're uh, in a press for time. Do you want to put that in? This cheers, we're going to cheers to Sally Grossman on the cover of Bringing It All Back Home. She just passed away oh. this week while we've been doing this. We'll talk about her in a minute. Thanks, Sally. Cheers, cheers. first to Sally Grossman. Cheers, Sally. Oh, it's everywhere. Guys, I'm so much better without that much beer. Mmm. actually taste the uh, fucking white shirt, big Bailey's. Mm. Stupid. Or a white shirt. Oh, yeah. Oh, that was a flawless victory for me. And at the end, it's like when you're like, uh finally get to the middle of the Tootsie Pop. It just explodes in your mouth. Okay, crazy. That's good, Daniel. Sound effects. All right, we'll do another one before we do it. Like, right? Epic Foley artist. For realism. That was for Sally Grossman. Sally Grossman, on the cover, like I said, of Bringing It All Back Home. You've seen the cover of Bringing It All Back Home. Yeah, actually, Amanda Palmer... Um, has an album with her dad where they completely recreate this picture and I brought it to Daniel as soon as I found it. I was like, is, this is a Bob, this is Bob Dylan, yes? So That's so random. So I'm showing uh, Kendra this. I mean, she, she'll probably recognize it when she sees it. I'll show everybody. Yeah. But that's the cover. We're bringing it all back home. Uh-huh, of course. And here's a couple extra <laughs> For those who don't have eyes, Bob is sitting here. We've got a fisheye lens. There's a woman in a red dress smoking a cigarette in the back. We have a a uh, big chest over the mantle with photographs of Abraham Lincoln and Bob looks like he's doing some kind of homework for <laughs> the U.S. Postal Service. Yeah. And now they're both on a chaise lounge. And then she recreated it later. That's her. That's oh, fun. So I Sally Grossman was the wife of Albert Grossman, who was Bob Dylan's first manager. Right. Um, and she was a part of the Greenwich um, scene. She was studying 17th century English literature, and she said... 
what's the use of this when I could just go down the street and find poets, you know, be poets that were doing the same thing. And she wanted to be a part of that movement. That's how she met Albert Grossman, who was a, became an executive and a, and a manager for star, you know, for Bob Dylan and lots of other people. Um, the album cover itself though, you know, we haven't really talked about, we've never done an episode on bringing it all back home, but that cover in particular started the, um, the trend of that, you know, like weird oh, clues. and stuff. Yeah. So he put all, you know, Robert Johnson's in there, mm-hmm. Abraham Lincoln's in there, all this stuff. They're just clues. And they're almost like decipher me, like figure out what's going on there. Um, so at the time when they were writing this, um, Neil Mc- Mc- McCormick for the daily telegraph said that fans became so fixated in deciphering the image uh, that there was a rumor that the woman was actually Dylan in drag. Oh shit. That'd yeah, be they cool. They didn't know who it was, but it was Sally Grossman. Uh, representing the feminine side of his psyche, but yeah, she was she was there and she just passed away. So I wanted to shout out Sally Rose. Oh. We don't often get to like coincide with these sort of Bob Dylan intersections with our lives. But Kelly, Kendra, you guys both spent a week with this song. I'll start with you, Kendra, because you are our guest to our home. What? How did you feel about the song? Well, um, I first want to say, Daniel, that this upon my first listen through, I just was so grateful that this song was so beautiful and uh, like a real song. Yeah. Like an actual song that I wanted to listen to a hundred times over and over and over again. And I have listened to a couple hundred times over again, I feel like in the last week and I still love it. Um, And that is by far more than I can say for the last few songs that we've done on this podcast that um, this is just genuinely a really beautiful song. And even going into the lyrics and dissecting them and trying to find some sort of colorful imagery to to coincide with them as they as they move you it like it, it it's still even the colorful imagery wasn't as impactful as how beautiful the song in and of itself is um and it's it's stuck with me all week i think i think it's fantastic it's a it's a really great song that i'm happy to have stuck in my head and yeah. nice. i think that's a lot more you can say for a lot of songs in this world. I went on like a roller coaster with this song. Uh, on the face of it, nice acoustic song. But the more I listened to it, the angrier I got about it. But then I, it was like a full like grief thing. It was oh. like denial, anger, and then finally acceptance. And I think I came down to I do like it in the end. Uh, wow. Most of the reason why I had such a tumultuous relationship with this was just trying to play it. Oh, yeah. um, because it's got a very ugly chord in it. And the the time signature is straightforward. It's just in 4-4. But like he breaks... it. He breaks in the middle of a measure. He changes the chords. And I kept thinking it was uh, Love Minus Zero because the, the chords are similar. No. In fact, the same in some parts. So, like, every time it started, I was like, Love Minus... Oh, it's not Love Minus Zero. So, yeah, just frustrations, just music theory Is it wise. better than Love Minus Zero? Or I'm going to say it... no. Really? Okay. Honestly. And I especially enjoyed listening to all the different versions. Yeah. Because for... I don't think we get this opportunity. Uh, uh, I don't know. I feel like it doesn't happen that much, but it probably does, where we really do get to hear it throughout the decades yeah. because it keeps going back to the song. So hearing it in different ways, especially with like the Grateful Dead blending musicians to it too, and just like it was really neat to hear all the different versions. I liked it. Absolutely. A lot. So this this song, um, just there's not a whole whole lot of context for it, so I'll just kind of break it down. This was um if you pick up the the cutting edge that we talk about a lot on this podcast, whenever we talk about bring it all back home, highway sixty one or blonde on blonde. Um, this Love Minus Zero is what opens it. That was the first song you played at the beginning of the Bring It All Back Home sessions. The fourth song you played on January 13th, the first day of recording, was this song, Take One, which you can listen to on The Cutting Edge or uh, as we record this, is the whole entire Cutting Edge is on Spotify. So you can actually listen to the whole thing. So 
you know, wherever you are in time may vary, but it is on the cutting edge. And there's only that one acoustic version and then this, although he did actually demo it um, electric on January 14th. So the whole album, this whole entire album was recorded on 13th, 14th, and 15th. So only oh, damn. three days. He wanted to uh, not be like his last album, Another Side of Bob Dylan, where he recorded the whole thing on June 9th in one day. Oh my God, that sounds um, miserable. Yeah, which is crazy. But on the first day, he nailed It's All Right, Mom, Only Bleeding, Gardens of Eden, and Mr. Tambourine Man. Uh, but this was one of the first songs he did, but he felt like he took it to the studio, but he wasn't quite familiar enough with it. So he actually let it simmer, simmer, as in two days later, right. he played it, you know? Your empty-handed painter from the street Is drawing crazy patterns on your sheet So, as I said, January 13th through the 15th are the versions. January 13th, you can hear that on the uh, Bootleg Series Volume 7 for the first time in 2005 for No Direction Home, the movie, the Scorsese movie. Or you can listen to it on Cutting Edge. It's just Bob Acoustic. And the 15th is our one take for bringing it all back home. And we have uh, Bob Dylan, of course, on guitar, harmonica. We have uh, Billy on bass, Bruce Langhorn on guitar, and Bobby Gregg on drums. So they're there. They might not be playing on it. They're just part right. Of the yeah, day. yeah. Okay. Um, so again, those they could be switching stuff around. Um, th- even the bass is like you wouldn't even think it's there. You, really, what you hear in that is really Bob and this other guitar, right? Which is Bruce Langhorn playing that guitar. So this is our fourth "Bring It All Back Home" song. Um, is it so far? Subterranean Homesick Blues, oh. our very first music video month. That's what opens this album. Love Minus Zero, as we said, was episode 105. Outlaw Blues was our sixth mm. episode ever. Um, so that was our first Spring It All Back That's Home episode. The coward Jesse, or the Coward, mm-hmm. whatever his name is, who's the guy who shot Jesse James? Uh, Robert Ford, who Robert shot Jesse Ford. James, yes. Uh, so that was that. Um, this song closes that album. So thematically, it's a perfect closer. I mean, it makes you sense. You gotta kind of say it's a great, great closer. It's um, all over now. I mean, it's yeah. all over now. Come Turn on. the record back over. Um, this is one of Dylan's most referenced songs. Um, George Harrison references it on a song called "When When We Was Fab" in 1987. You know, the, how British. But just like outside of music, the song was the inspiration for a Joyce Carol Oates short story called "Where Are You Going? Where Have You Been?" Uh, which prompted her when she was done to dedicate the song to Dylan. Um, a portion of this song was used in a, a book called from Barry Hanna, 1995, called Yonder Stands Your Orphan, which is one of the lyrics. Yonder Stands Your Orphan with his gun? Yep. With his gun, yeah. Not with that in the title of the of the novel. But I get the lyrical reference. Yes, and The Wonder Years, an elegy for Baby Blue, a great band that I enjoy, directly references it in their song, which is on our playlist. Um, it's one of Dylan's most covered songs as well. Um, the band Them, with Van Morrison in it, uh, covered it first and did a really amazing job on it. So that's on our playlist too. You can listen to that. It was covered by the Birds in 1969. So a little bit different. They were a little more country fried at that point. Uh, <laughs> Chocolate Watch Band, The 13 Elevators, Country Gentleman, Dion, Richard, Richie Havens, Grateful Dead, of course, Man Free Man's Earth Band, who we talked about with Quinn the Eskimo, right. uh, Marianne Faithful. Oh, yeah, my favorite. Uh, it was on our playlist. Judy Collins, Leon Russell, Jimmy LaFave, Echo and the Bunny Man, Bonnie Raitt. Oh, that oh, Echo and the Bunny, Bunny Man one is hilarious. I didn't listen to it. Yeah, yeah it fair. sounds so like Echo and the Bunny Man 80s as <laughs> shit. Amazing. Uh, it was most recently covered by Bad Religion. Uh, what? In, in okay, that's new. Well, for, uh, well, the MC yeah, well, you know, just keep listening to this episode uh, for some, for some, uh, 
punk versions of this song. But we listened to it for reference of how fast they were. And we said, we're going to go faster. <laughs> um, so they covered it for the NFC International um, you know, compilation that they did back then. And then, I don't know if you guys have heard a band called, a band called Antony and the Johnsons. The, the singer, Antony, obviously, he, he like sings this fucking crazy falsetto. Anyways, he has branched off from that and in 2020 covered this song uh, oh, for his whoa. side project. And... An Anony Anony, A N O H N I all caps. Um, so that's the newest one, but it's something that obviously is going to keep being covered. And Bob Dylan, presumably, we, you know, coronavirus being an anniversary of this episode, uh, Bob Dylan. I bought tickets for Bob Dylan a couple days after last year, so it was actually after our episode. I bought tickets for Bob Dylan. Didn't get to see him. The last time Bob Dylan played this song, which he's played five hundred and sixty times, was uh, October twenty third, twenty nineteen. So there's Damn. a great probability that he would have played continued to play this. in our 2020 Man, show. Man, we could have seen it. And the first time we played it was February 17th, 1965. So 560 wow. times total. That's a lot of times. Incredible. We, however, we listened to a couple of versions, namely the Cutting Edge, uh, Volume 4 of the Bootleg Series, 1966, the quote-unquote Royal Albert Hall Show, 1975, 1987 with The Grateful Dead, 94 at Woodstock 2, and 2004. So we wanted to get a, a full range of everything. Kelly, before we kind of like roll through those, any favorites? Well, as I mentioned, I had a kind of a bumpy road with this song, um, at least the studio version. So I was happy to hear some other arrangements because it really added some, like made it a lot more like verbose. It's not the right word, but you know what I mean? Expanded yeah, a lot. Expanded. Changed it. Made it cool. I was surprised, very surprised uh, at myself, considering how much I hated the Dead & Co. The stuff. Uh, the but Dylan Does the Dead or whatever the fuck album that oh, was. Oh, oh, Dylan Does the Dead. Yeah. yeah, Dylan Does the Dead. Whatever. Dylan does the dead. <laughs> Debbie Does Dallas. Different, yeah. uh, 1987. Different thing. Yes. <laughs> but I really enjoyed that version. I'm not going to lie. Immediately when it started, his voice, I was like, oh, this is the Bruce Springsteen version? What are we, what are we channeling well, right now, like Bob? I they kept the tape running, which makes that fun. Because it's like they weren't some... I feel like Bob Weir at some point like walked out of the room. You know, it's like they were almost like coming and going. Well, the, yeah, each instrument gets layered in. Yeah. Just like it does really feel like people... Bob was just playing this song, singing like pretending he was Bruce Springsteen for some reason. And then people just came in and picked up and Oh, okay, cool. Yeah. Wow, this is Bob's new sound. Cool. Let's just go for it. And I was also shocked that... It's from 87 because it doesn't feel bad 80s. All your secret faders, they are away home. All your rainy rabbits, they are away home. The lover has just walked out your door. Let's take it out here. You know what I mean? Like, the way Dylan of the Dead kind of does. It's weird. Well, that and like even Empire Burlesque are like, we've heard bad 80s Dylan for sure. And trust yourself. Trust yourself. Exactly. Oh. So like, this didn't feel super dated and bad like that. I don't know. It just felt really fresh and vibrant. And Isn't it funny how when you take, when you strip away all the artifice, the gated reverb. Yeah. All, all the, the bullshit. Yeah. It just maybe sounds a little rockish. Like you don't really care. It's like, you know, it has those vibes to me that it's not that interesting of a version. But, like, it's cool. It's just cool to hear mm. them, like, playing instruments and singing a song. And not overplaying. We don't do... There's not a 10-minute fucking 
No. Fish solo in this. For I mean, I, they, sorry, I shouldn't even say that. Grateful, Grateful Dead. Dead are the original. <laughs> the original fish. So doobly doobly noodly noodly. So I thought that was really cool, just because it was so different. And then in that same vein, I really like the Woodstock '94 version. Okay. Yes, it is twice as long. And you know, on the face of everything, I'm always like, the shorter, the better. Why is this as long as it is? And now I'm like, yeah, I like wow. the twice. As long. And you know why? It's it's almost exclusively because of that bowed bass. Yeah. It's like, wonderful. that is such a beautiful, beautiful Tardy sound. Gardier on the bass. Oh, yeah? Mm-hmm. And it really gave me uh, Rough and Rowdy Ways vibes. Yeah. The way that oh, it's expansive yeah. and experimental and just, like, sits and pushes yeah. you out there. I will say I hate how he um, chops up and fits in the lyrics okay. in that version as well as the subsequent version in 2004. Right. Or subsequent of our yeah, versions yeah, that we listened like to. Yeah, he's, like, throwing it in there. He's just like, here's the words. Yep. And then, but it gives you more, even more breathing room for that beautiful bass. Uh, it could be, it could have been a lot shorter. Yeah, sure. But uh, where the 2004 version gets a little too country fried, this has like just enough slide guitar that it doesn't feel instantly country rock. It, it still has a lot of just like, I don't know. It, it plays a lot with dynamics in it. Like the guitar gets really loud in parts to emphasize like the ends of uh, some of the lines. Yeah. And just, I don't know. I was, was not expecting that. The highway is for gamblers, but I use your sand. Take what you have gathered from the wizarding. The empty-handed painter from your sleeve. at all and the other versions are kind of more the same i mean i do love rolling thunder voice bob yeah. dylan that's always my favorite uh tonally the way that he sounds he can get his voice but uh while the harmonica solos are cool i will say that they're pretty sloppy in my eyes they don't really match up tonally to the song a lot of times even he, 66 yeah he, oh, it just like they're cool because he's playing fast but it's one of those things like just because you can play a million notes per second doesn't mean it sounds good okay. for me i appreciate what you can do i can't play the harmonica at all it's cool but like I don't know. It doesn't euphonically sound as good as like even the surprise one in the 2004 show where his voice is full murder, Bob, and yeah. not for me. The harmonica is, is reserved and purposeful and it, like he's trying to tonally sound cohesive. Oh, so I think that's the best harmonica, wow. even though it's the most relaxed. What do you think? Oh, I don't know. I, I think the harmonica on the... Where, where he, like, uses the harmonica, like, like he knows it so intimately, and he knows it so personally, like, he can play it like it's a piano or a guitar. Like, like when I look at this instrument, it's, it's like it has ten notes, right? And he looks at it, and he's like, knows the insides and out of it. It has a hundred notes. And he can play it frontwards and backwards and upside down. I just have no idea how he does it, and, that, and like... That's just spectacular. That's the magic. That's the magic of Bob yeah. Dylan. He doesn't do, do that in the original recorded version of no. the song, but he does do it in the 
that's the 60s live version. I love when he just goes bouncy all over, like he's just breathing into the instrument. It's breathing him back. He's like, I'm one with this harmonica. You can tell, it's you can feel like it. almost like he's in his late 60s for one and <laughs> no. in his 20s for the other one. But I would say, I would say <laughs> to that point, it's really interesting to think of it as a living document. Like, because I don't, I don't think that this is one of those that like feels like it got away from Bob. Like, I think that every night he goes out there and we have so many different versions that I think he is energized by this song. Like, like this it, song does like, it. I think if you were going to sit down as a Bob Dylan fan and say, here are the 500 songs that he's played over 500 times, it's a pretty rare, you know, upper echelon. Mm, for sure. But, you know, there's probably about 20 plus songs that he's played 500 times or more. I would say that this is probably, at least so far on this show, one of the ones that I can think of where when I'm pulling up these extra versions that we listened to this week that you'll hear on this episode... I was shocked by like how just different they are. Yeah, that's how what I'm saying. How they were and how even the harmonica while he's doing it, it's just like, it's, it's, it's great. It's, all it versions sounds are celebrated. So like this is a celebrated, celebrated song and Beautiful. you can feel that from all the different variations, not just Bob's variations, but everybody else's cover. Um, the, yeah, they're all beautiful. You can tell this is a song that people really like to sing and dance around the fire to. Do they? Well, you would say it's too dark, too dark to sing and dance to. No. Okay. So here's... For me, the studio version is a little petulant. Like, we've done this... We, we, we've I had this it. with, like, multiple Bob songs where, like, he'll revisit a song and as he's grown, he's either... Where he's at in his life, it's gotten more venom or less venom. I know we're not getting into the song, but, like, right the second. But if you're, if you're in the middle of a breakup or whatever, let's say, right in the middle of it and you're writing a song, you're going to be a little more pissed off yeah. than when you have 20 years distance and you're like... Well, you're looking at it nostalgically fondly, maybe bittersweetly, but you still at least have a little bit of a disconnect, a maturity towards it that you're not going to mm-hmm. have just at being a younger person. I think musically that really plays out and probably why I do like the studio versions a little bit less, okay. just because time-wise. Because well, it does seem like he's really in the midst of the breakup as it's happening. <laughs> well, I want to throw this out to you. Uh, Jan Werner, who is the, who I think, I don't know if he still is or not, but he was the, he's the co-founder or founder maybe of, of Rolling Stone. So he did an oh. interview with Bob Dylan in 2007. He asked him about in a long ranging interview on lots of topics. Think of the Kurt Loder haunted interview that we talked about for uh, sweetheart <laughs> like you, but uh, Jan, Jan Warner asked, you know, take it's all over baby. Now it's all over now, baby blue, for instance, which you did last night. He says, don't people come to the show to hear the original mournful version? Bob said, quote, I don't know who would, unless it's somebody who bought that record in 1960. What? <laughs> but it's the same song, and I'm the same person, and I'm always, and I've always been there. Those early songs I made, just with an acoustic guitar. In a way, those are like demos because that's what people do when they demo a song. They just go in and play with their acoustic guitar, and that's what it is. Then they develop the song later. Warner asks, "Do you think your performance of it in that way gives it a different meaning?" Originally, it was lost and sad. Now it's assertive. Bob said, yeah, you might like this, Kendra, and I want to hear your opinion. I do like this already. Astrologically, you're dealing with a different day every day of the week. Every day is a different color. A different planet rules it. You could say the same thing. You could feel the same thing. You could write the same song, but if it's on a but it's on a Tuesday, it's going to be different than if it comes out on a a Friday. Freya's day. But if it comes out on a Tuesday, it's different than it comes out on a Friday. That's just a fact. You can ask my astrologer. Nice. Tuesday. Tuesday's moon, the moon's day. So a perfect Bob Dylan quote, if there is one. But I think it really backs up what Kelly said about, I was a kid. I mean, it's, we are the demo versions of ourselves when we're 25 years old. Totally. 
and we move on and we continue on our paths. And you hope you mature and change. And you hope you mature and change. And that's what Bob is hopefully looking towards. And the astrology portion, I think, is obviously bullshitting with Jan. Yeah. But it's also it's bullshit, but it's not bullshit because it's the idea of if it was a different day and I wrote it at a different time, this thing wouldn't exist. It would be a different thing. Butterfly effect. And that's all intrinsically true. It's all intrinsically true, but obviously he's just like, you know, ask my astrologer. Like, that's funny. That's just great Bob Dylan shit. But... Um, but I, I love that. I'm glad you said all that because I wasn't thinking like that. I definitely like that. I mean, they're just maybe not objectively because you can't really claim that. But I, I think that they're beautiful, right? Yeah. With the exception of the G says four chord. But they're great. But there's none that suck. Yeah. Yeah. I would okay. say that for sure. Probably none the, the 2004 one is my least favorite. Least favorite. But, okay. Uh, Leave your stepping stones behind. Now something calls for you. Forget the doubt you've left, they will not follow you. The vagabond who's rapping at your door is standing in the clothes that you once wore. Uh, okay, well, the song itself, if you guys want to talk about the song, Kendra, this is this is it. You've been waiting for this. this. What? This is the We're going to be talking about the song. Oh, God. So my, my initial thoughts about it, just to lay the, the groundwork, is um, this song is pretty gentle. I mean, if we if we even look at it just uh, at a thousand yards there, you know, It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, is a, just a traditional goodbye song. Mm-hmm. Breaking up song. It's a breakup song. Leave up, leaving you song, that type of stuff. Yeah. So it's a, also a very gentle song, unlike a lot of Bob Dylan stuff where he can get really mean. Uh, something that I noticed and something that we always celebrate here, and I, that the whole Sally... Um, Sally Grossman intro sort of alluded to it is gender neutral song by Bob Dylan. So you can, mm. except for when he yeah, says he's yeah. So it's a non-gendered narrator. Cause when I, when I like just view this song from, like you said, like a thousand feet away, I see it as a breakup song, but I almost saw it as like Bob is singing this breakup song to his buddy. Like, okay. like he was like, uh, like strike another match, go start anew. Like, like dude, like all the things that he's saying are like guy, like, Get out of here. Okay. Like, stop it. What are you doing? This is great. And that's just like kind of generally what I thought. So it's, it's like a, it's not just Bob's ro- sad breakup romance. It's like anybody or your, it's your breakup romance. Like, well, I want to get into that because that's something that I have. So I want to hear more about that here. But I want to go verse by verse because okay. this song deserves a really a dive. Break it down. Break down. That's a top petty song. Break down. Put it on a slideshow. Send it to your law firm. Okay. Before we get into the lyrics and all of that, I know because I was here and we've been playing the song religiously as you've heard throughout this episode so far. But I want uh, you to, you know, talk about this song. I mean, obviously, your week with the song was one thing. You're reaching for her guitar right now. Hello, listener. Hi. <laughs> so the song's in E major. Um, it's, you could play it regular standard tuning. 
uh, in C. It all works. I mean, it's all based, and I'm going to talk about it as if it's in just open tuning, you know, regular EADGB, but uh, which would make it in the key of C. But it's played with the capo on the fourth fret, and he actually apparently plays it in drop C, but it's really only for the disgusting Gsus four or two chord. I can't remember, which sounds terrible. Um, and for it to, to play that low C, but not C. Um, oh, that sounded like not C. No. Uh, uh, play that low C for the, the C chord, but you can just skip it. You don't need it. Just put the capo on the fourth fret, just like block putting it in skip. and drop C and, and just go on your way. So it's really only four chords, just arranged in different ways. We've got, again, we're going to speak to about this in relative terms as if we were just playing in regular open tuning. But uh, I wrote them all down. Put that capo on the fourth fret. Put the friends. capo on the fourth fret, and then you're going to just play G sus4 or whatever, just, or sus2. It sounds like. I put the uh, the low G in it instead of doing the, uh, the actual right chord. It sounds like that, which is not so pretty, but okay. And then we got just an F and a C major and a D minor. And that is it. Those are all four chords in the song. And then you just play them in a different order. You know, play them in. So part of the reason why this song was difficult for me is because it's kind of percussive in the way that he plays it. Uh, so it sounds like this kind of, hopefully. So yeah, there's hard strums. It's not like nice and loose. It makes a point in the first couple bars to... So D minor. I'm not saying the names of the chords anymore, but I can say them. D minor, <laughs> F, C, and then there's an E minor. Splitting in the measure. G sus gross. And it's all over. F, now, that's at it. Wow, that was a nice word. Now, baby blue. There you go. Woo, 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 woo. Uh, that was the most explanatory episode of Kelly. You played this 30 minutes before <laughs> and not to explain it. Kendra. That's me. I want you to, to read me out verse one. No, just, you just. must leave now. Take what you need. You think will last. But whatever... You wish to keep, you'd better grab it fast. Yonder stands your orphan with his gun, crying like a fire in the sun. Look out! All the saints are coming through. And it's all over now. I hope that made sense. If it didn't, it's not my fault. It's Bob Dylan's fault. It's B Poetry's fault. We talked about on this podcast a lot about like great novel intros, like something you like, you got to read the next line. That's a great line. That's a great opener to a book. And a great song has a hook. Like not the hook hook, the chorus. Because that doesn't exist in this Because it doesn't, well, but it kind of does. I mean, the It's All Over Now is a nice refrain. There's a refrain. It's not just like resources or like money. But it's like drive and ambition, too. It's like if you're breaking up with someone, 
you're, you know, you must leave now, take what you need. You think it'll last like not just physical resources, but also those intangible things as well. I mean, that any breakup has, you know, I, I, Hmm. I don't know. And then we've got the look out the saints are coming through. And, and I think that's our first intonation that this could be some kind of a death sort of song. Because when the saints come marching in is a, is oh, a song about death, right? Um, so that's that's a whole element here. Whole. I almost seem, I felt like that, like, 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 look out all the saints are coming through. Like, you know, it's like all your your ancestors or your guardians or your spirits yeah. or like the things that you don't necessarily have control of in the universe that just come in and are like, all right, this breakup is happening. Your life is changing. You're going to be moving or this thing's going to be happening. It's just like, fuck, I, what, what can you do? You just have to stand aside and let life roll over you sometimes. And yeah. that's like, <laughs> saints are coming in. Yeah. They're, they're like, you know, it might look shitty at first, but they're here to take care of you. Bob Dylan said of this song later on, quote, I had carried this song around in my head for a long time, and I remember when I was writing it, I'd remembered a Gene Vincent song, which is on our podcast. It's always been one of my favorites, Baby Blue. She looked into my eyes and said, My name is Baby Blue. It was one of those songs that I used to sing back in high school. Of course, I was singing about a different baby blue. That's interesting to us, Kelly, obviously, because of like triplicate. Like, again, you could take that song on our playlist and put it on, do a fucking standard version of it for for triplicate and stuff. But he was sort of intoning that and doing it in the hip 1960s way, you know, of like reinterpreting that. So I want to ask, who is baby blue? Well... If he was thinking about this song, or at least it was rattling around his head in high school, then it's got to be, what's her name, right? Echo? Oh, Echo. Nice. I mean, I, I could always go to my old standby of Suze. Suze? That's a good one. So Suze <laughs> yeah, could yeah. be it. I mean, again, like, I th- I thought that this song was Bob telling his friend, yeah. like, right, yes. you son of a bitch, get over this stupid breakup. So Which his friend really cool. could be well, George Harrison, nope. getting get That's over Layla. A lot of people throw down for Joan Baez to go on Kelly's point. Joan Baez, not Suze, not Echo, not Bonnie. Joan Baez. There's a song by Joan Baez, uh, Diamonds and Rust, that is about Bob Dylan. Is it called Daddy Brown? It's literally called Diamond and Rust. Baby Blue? No. And she she talks about Dylan's eyes being bluer than Robin's eggs. So Baby Blue. Does he have blue eyes? Wait a second. Is Bob Dylan Baby Blue? Holy shit. If you're listening to this podcast before, it's always Bob Dylan. (laughs) The next person it could be that people speculate it to be is someone... Named Stuart David Cohen, who is better known as his recording artist name, David Blue. Why do we know David Blue? Because of Joni Mitchell. Because of Joni Mitchell. She on shouts about her song. She says this song is not about David Blue. David Blue became, for a short time, and was associated directly with Joni Mitchell. But Bob, they had actually met well before that. And it was kind of happenstance that Joni Mitchell sort of was around. Wait, who is he again? He is David Stewart David, Stuart David Cohen. Bob Dylan gave him the nickname of David Blue. Oh, shit. And he, uh, Bob actually per- showed up to play harmonica on his 1975 song, uh, who, who Love, Who who Love, Who Love, If Not You Love? Who Love, If Not You Love. Who Love, I think that's it. Maybe I, mean, he, I wouldn't have got that wrong. He's <sighs> Baby Blue, and he's got to break up with his girlfriend, and Bob's like, Dude, oh, so, so, bro, so it's all Blue over is, now, Baby Blue, bro. David Blue, you're I saying, think Baby Blue is the bro. So you could say it's all over now. 
David Bloom. Yeah. Wait, I'm exactly. sorry. I'm having a hard time retaining information. He's a record producer. Who is he? No, no, he's a singer. He's, he's oh, a, he oh, ended okay. up becoming a singer. He was just involved. He played. He played in, uh, with Joni Mitchell. He was yeah. just a guy. Just he was around. just a dude hanging around. Music guy. Uh, he ends up in Ronaldo and Clara for for the um, Rolling Thunder. So huh. he's in the movie, um, and that's kind of the last time we ever see him. And we hear happenstance we hear him with that Joni Mitchell was pretty great. However, I think Kidra. You were on to something, not so much with the telling David Blue it's all over now, but that it might be about a guy. It might be about a friend. So yeah. Paul Clayton, in a future episode, I hope to do a deep dive on Paul Clayton, just a supplemental series on him. But I'll sort of like throw it out here. Paul Clayton was just a more traditional folk singer who became enamored with Bob Dylan. Now, there's a lot of like question, question, question marks about what does that mean? Gay stuff. <laughs> so this could be this could be the gay stuff portion of the podcast. Yes. Um, Finally. Sponsored by gay stuff. Gay stuff. So I'm just going to throw this out there. I might cut some of this, but I just want to get it out here just so we say it. So Clinton Halen on Paul Clayton says, quote, however, the most persistent candidate for these words of wisdom has been Paul Clayton. Clayton has generally been portrayed as just another faded folky who stood too close to uh to the man's flame bob dylan's flame a gross oversimplification and dylan failed to fully set the story straight when it came when it came time to write chronicles his book in 2004 though he treated clayton generously both in terms of space assigned and in evident affection for the man the two friends had parted company at the crossroads of dylan's electric apostasy not because Clayton disliked Dylan's new direction, but because Clayton's amphetamine abuse had made it poss- impossible for him to be around, a warning Dylan chose not to heed himself. Hence, perhaps, why Dylan still finds a song, finds it a song that, to which he can relate. As for Clayton, he did not stick around long enough to recognize the quality, the quality of the advice Dylan was dispensing. Indeed, barely had Dylan begun the first leg of the 1966 world tour when the news came through that he had killed himself. Partly because of the nightly ritual, Baby Blue was now pushed to an even greater level of intensity as Dylan skirted his own individual precipice. So that makes that harmonica solo. It gave me goosebumps right there. Man, I am super here for bisexual Bob Dylan. Not that I haven't been, or that's a shocker to anyone. People are. But that actually explains a lot. The fact that he had some, like, Frank Ocean-esque tryst with some guy where it's like it really affected his music secretly throughout his life. Oh, that's what, I mean, drug abuse, suicide, all smacks of gay. Yeah. Honestly. <laughs> Honestly. Yeah. I mean, like, sadly yeah. enough, like, that's... Uh, and then later on, uh, quote, in less than three years, Clayton had gone from being an important minor mentor to a very to the very mascot that Allen Ginsberg had feared that he would become. So he became kind of a hanger-on, you know? Oh, yeah. So it was, like, kind of tough. Uh Going back to the quote, Dylan started out in awe of Clayton and ended up discarding him, an occasion apparently documented in one of his most poignant songs. It's all over now, Baby Blue. So So it could be about his relationship and his admiration that he once held for this person. Yeah, exactly. And but I have to leave you because things are going you're you're not only like obsessed with me, but also the drugs, also like everything that's happening. I have to move on. I'm not saying this is this is canon to Bob's life, but like, or if it was like a romantic involvement in any way, shape, or form, I like, look, on. man, I, I'm just, not I got to pull out of here. So I'm like, yeah. I'm, I'm actually gonna marry Sarah. Well, or bisexuals and... in the '60s period, like trying to be out in any way, shape, or form. Can you imagine? No. Can you imagine? No. Can you fucking? So imagine? interesting. Yeah. It's interesting, and like that, it makes a lot of sense, just kind of in the context that I interpreted it in, um, which was just, I just 
I feel I know he's speaking to a man in yeah, this okay. song. I love. That. I don't know why. And that totally I just works too with that. like your lover. He he just yeah, walked out, out the door, the door. Yeah. right? But then I'm like, oh, but he's talking to his friend. He's talking to his buddy, his dude. His why is he saying his gay friend? Oh my god, it makes so much sense now. <laughs> More than likely, though, let's all be sit here. And no, no, no. Let's You've all written the book. No. Yeah, it's over. Yeah, it's a done deal. <laughs> I'm gonna pull this back and just say, at the end of the day, like Paul Williams, uh, a prominent writer for Bob about Bob Dylan, said. What we say on this podcast, Paul Williams is our fucking spirit animal. It's all of them. It's right. all of it together. You know, it's like this person is a complex human being. Nobody sits down and says, I'm going to write a song about Paul Clayton. No. You write about what you fucking <laughs> I mean, are, are you living. Unless you really do. Yeah. It's, it's very obvious. <laughs> yeah. But it's very obvious often. Like for you, say, Paul. Then I named the song Ballad of Hollis Brown. That's right. <laughs> well, also but a fictional character, right? But, right, but like, you know. But I, I know what you're saying, yes. Or Hurricane or whatever, yeah. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Ruben, I'm writing about Ruben Carter. But even that he takes liberties of. That's the whole thing. I think no matter what, you're going to take liberties of because you can't write about someone autobiographically without doing that. Oh, Lenny Bruce, why didn't that come to the fore? Jesus. <sighs> Why didn't it? Because we hate Because it, it shouldn't come yeah. to the fore. You said that you feel like for sure he's talking to a guy. I feel like he's talking to me. Now, I'm a guy. Just like <laughs> <a little laughs> so still true. Still oh, yeah, yeah. True. We're, still, we're still working together. <laughs> but I always felt that he was talking to the to the person. I don't know. It felt person. Your baby blue. Daniel's baby blue. Yeah. Or it's like a, it's sort of explaining why it's over. But I don't know the relationship. And I'm just being broken up with. On the song. <laughs> like, Bob's breaking up with you. No, no, no. You girl, boy, it doesn't matter. Like, he's just like telling you. I don't know. This one doesn't feel like it's just about someone else. Oh, um, well, while we're still on this verse somehow, I do want to say, I think my favorite line is the crying like a fire in the sun because you can take it as your tears mean nothing because they're just a drop in the bucket. If you're, if there's a fire on the sun, you couldn't see it you because the it. sun um, is fire, right? Yeah, absolutely. Which That's makes me very line. sad for the poor gay dude who's just crying and he's Aww. like, dude, I can't. You're just like, nope. Can't I can't even. Uh, or you could take it as a literal fire in the sunshine, which like Ooh. does that mean like now you're too hot? Like is that supposed to? Like, not, I don't. I, don't <laughs> I, be, like, I mean, like I took it as like total <laughs> yeah. passion, like like passion times passion. Double fire, like it could be that a too, right? fire like, in the, the sun. Fire, the fire is fire. fire. Oh my god! Like yeah, that's what I thought. Like he's yeah. he right. has his gun and he's a fire in the sun. Like like a, a fire you can still see even in the sun. Like okay, that's cool. how much passion is I involved. Exact well, and see, and I like your your orphan being a person. That fire in the sunlight is the one that connects us to the very end with the strike another match. Mm, the two of them. The fire in the sun. Oh, very good. But I also feel like if it's not a who, then it's a what. So like, I feel like, like I said before, death feels omnipresent here. You'd mm -hmm. be talking about goodbye to a person like physically. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah. For, and the last, in the, in the last verse stanza. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and spirituality, I think is another play here as well. Um, just you have the direct mention with the saints. Absolutely. The saints, but, even the sun and the. Kidra, I need you to read verse two. This section is called Scorn, Sadness, or Relief. Or Relief, I'm not too sure. Okay, ready? The highway is for gamblers. You better use your sins. Sense. Sins. Does it say sins, sins in that book? Sins. Yeah, it says sense on BobDylan.com. Continue. <laughs> Take what you've gathered from 
coincidence. The empty-handed painter from your streets is drawing crazy patterns on your sheets. The sky, too, is folding under you. And it's all over now, baby blue. Getting a little William Shatner at the end there. So the official the line is, you better use your sense. He definitely sings sense. This book might say sins. It does. And what is that book, book are you reading, is, Kendra? Yeah, what book are you reading? The book now? that I am reading is called The Best of Bob Dylan Chord Songbook, Open 70 Bob the... Dylan Classics Arranged for Guitar Voice, complete with full lyrics, published by Wise Productions, London, UK. Okay. What year? This book, copyright 2009. Okay. Uh, it's got a lot of songs in it. It's an easy, it's an easy mistake to make sure. if you're just doing the lyrics. Fascinating though, because yeah, this is the songbook I've been going from. And well, when you you sent me a text earlier that said um, something about use your sense, and I knew what you were saying by the sense, and I think somewhere deep in my own memory of this song, the <laughs> sin thing has come up. So I don't think that this is like it's not just a typo in a book. It is something that's been a, a misappropriation. Even though it's not, it, it I just love. I love that. Well, see, I we thought it was sense because it. it's a pun. I know on the word sense because exactly. gambler. Exactly. To be fair, when he says it, he goes. Sense. In no direction home, Robert Shelton says, "Quote: Consider verse two in light of the foreword to a book called The I Ching." Mm-hmm. Oh, I've heard that before. By, what a by f- yep, fantastic yep. book where Jung expounded his theory of synchronicity, which quote takes a coincidence of events in space and time as meaning something more than mere chance, namely a peculiar interdependence of objective events among themselves, as well as the subjective, parentheses, psychic states of mm. the observer. Mm-hmm. So yes. there is no coincidence in a way. Yeah. Well, yes, of course. Right? There's no such thing as coincidence because every event plays off of itself and off of each other and every event requires its it's opposite to have an effect. So, I mean, yeah, in that case. But, you know, coincidence, you can kind of use the term to sort of define those moments of synchronicity, which is how I use the term to define, like, those incredible moments where, like, wow, I ran into you, you ran into me, you have this thing that I need, you're giving me this key, I'm, it's opening a door that's then going to change my life. Like, is that coincidence? Like, or is that something magic? Or is that something more than coincidence? That's something, like, beyond. Um, and so what I'm gathering from those kinds of experiences is that there's something greater working yeah, something here. Greater. And, and and that's take what you've gathered from these sort of experiences. That's what I'm doing. I'm suspending a sort of disbelief that there's something greater in the world. Totally. Well, even the coincidence, like take what you gather from coincidence. I mean, coincidence in its most broadest term is just like living your life. What you consider to be coincidences are probably things that you value and you want in your own life, right? So the you start to build your own ideology that you of do, what you do take the, the things that you gather from coincidence are what help define you and shape you and tell you what you want and how to succeed in life. Totally. Be careful. Use your brain. True. Learn things. Don't be dumb. Yeah. Q Magazine called this, quote, the most toxic of strummed kiss-offs with not a snowball's chance in hell of reconciliation. 
Do they, we feel they, that way? They just des- the entire song. They described the song that way. Well, I opened this up by saying that this was about scorn, sadness, and relief. Not just for this verse, but kind of for the whole song in general. Do we feel that baby blue? It's all over now. It's, it's a snowball. There's not a snowball's chance in hell. Uh, well, no, yeah, no. There's no reconciliation of him and this girl. It's done. It's over. Oh, it's now, done. So blue. it's not a snowball's chance in hell. There's not a snowball's chance in hell of Do reconciliation you think not a in this chance? song. Agreed. I feel like it's unlikely. Leave your stepping stones behind, child. And, and he talks like especially about fire, like burnt, burnt. Go, strike another itself. match. Set it on fucking fire. Go start anew. But I also think that depending on the relationship, there's. I don't know. I think time does heal a lot, and yeah. maybe the narrator's mad at the time. But you, again, hopefully you grow and change, and then when you look back on your life, even if you're not going to get back with that person, maybe emotionally. Yeah, you know, you feel it a, a different way. I feel like yes, it's unlikely that they ever reconciled, but not that they wouldn't ever look fondly on that. Because that's when someone's like, no chance that they would ever get back together. Sometimes I read that, which maybe incorrectly as like, uh, bad. Like it, it ended badly. This is somebody I don't want to see again. Yeah. Versus somebody I don't want to be with again. Right. Which is not like you're almost kind of mm-hmm. sad about it. Yeah, yeah, right. and it, and that's what it seems like. The vibe of the song isn't like, oh my god, a horrible. You did a horrible thing. We have to right. break up now. It's but like so it's just not working out, and that's sad, and that breaks yeah. our hearts, and we can't do this anymore. Yeah. So I think it's yes and no. I think that yes, no, yes yeah. they're never going to get back together more than likely, but no, I don't think that it's scorchers. I don't want to ever talk to this person again. The only other note that I have here is the difference between and it's all over now baby blue and cuz it's all over now baby blue so i the scorched earth would only come from the cause like right because it's because it's your fault because it's over not just and and it's over well there's a variation in the lyrics from version to version it's not too much but there are some some changes yeah absolutely we didn't talk about the empty-handed painter from the streets to me that's the first the first uh utteration of our our lover like a a person you love because they're an artist, even though they don't have any money or yeah. anything. Yeah, yeah. You just love them because they're an artist, because they're making art, and because the sex is good, I guess. Yeah, the draw, or they drawing can be a crazy person and an artist. Yeah, you know. exactly. Oh, but right, like the empty-handed insinuates like poor. they poor, yeah. right? Yeah. They, your lover has nothing to offer but their art and their love, right. which is like what you're what you love, what is what you're getting is what you're getting off on. Yeah. And then like the sky too is folding under you. You know, you touched on that line. It just seems like that's not like a bad thing. Like that seems like it's like a high. You're riding this high. It's like, that's what happens on these drug hallucinations. Like the sky just explodes and folds out. And like, to me, this part, this stanza and this part of the song is like the, the, the height of this song. It's when everything is like explosive and sexual and happy and in love and awesome. And the sky's folding. This is the part of the song where it's just like, you're just getting lost in how glorious the love is. Can we drink to lost? Lost? Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's really it's... throwing it back. <laughs> I forgot all about that. Yeah. It's just like after this point is when the song takes a downturn. So I just really like to revel in the in the oh. luxury and in the passion and in the joy that is verse two. Well, you're totally right. This is the high before. Before. Because it, this is, we're in it. We're so explosively in love that yeah. we're above the clouds, right? Exactly. And then we're going, now it's over. So it's, verse two is my favorite of the song because of that. Like, I just want to live in that moment forever, Lovely. you know? Verse three, <laughs> part three, the symbolists. All. 
your seasick sailors. They are rowing home. Your empty-handed army is all going home. Your lover who just walked out the door has taken all his blankets from the floor. The carpet, too, is moving under you. And it's all over now. Baby blue. I didn't even think about the fact that it's over, but my first note here is it's over. (laughs) The blankets are proof that there's no home for this person here anymore. In fact, the carpet's gone as well. I mean, it's your entire, your life is now gone from this old life. Well, the carpet line specifically for me is, is supposed to be that the, what's it called? The Turner phrase of the rug that's been pulled the from rug's underneath been pulled you, out right? So it's, you, yeah, it's yeah. not only is it over, but it, it was a surprise mm-hmm. is what that implies to me. Yeah, totally. Which doesn't track for the song for me because all this kind of seems uh, telegraphed. If, if For me, I feel like the narrator knew this was coming. So for the rug, but, but, but maybe not. I don't know that necessarily bears that out. It's hard because the song feels like it's definitely in retrospect. Like the events already happened. Yes, definitely. So you would think in hindsight that they couldn't be surprised, but maybe they were. Then well, it does kind of go from being like really great to all of a sudden and we're done. Yeah, so maybe it was. Yeah, maybe yeah. it was a shock. You know, the symbology of the carpet, the pulling the rug out from underneath of you, but even the carpet moving. Like you take that in the 60s. Drug. Drug reference. Yeah. And like you're talking about what's about to come. Like this idea of like describing everyday things, moving, twitching, morphing. Oh, um, the, the lyrical change between empty handed and reindeer. Yeah, the empty-handed reindeer, of course. Yeah. So, yeah, you've got your... Empty-handed reindeer? Yeah, so, so you got one your empty-handed version. army or your reindeer army. Well, like, yeah. I like, like your seasick sailors, like, they're just kind of like, uh, People who... Like, we've, time. Been, we've been trying, yeah, time. we've been, like, working so hard to not stay sick on this boat, and we're just done. Well, we've held on as long as we could. Yep, we did as much as we could. Like, the, uh, like you caring about this relationship is no longer happening. Those yeah. The first two stanzas... Right, like your empty-handed army, like we don't have any more swords, we don't have any more bayonets, we have no more ammo, like we're going home. Yeah. Like I'm leaving. And then your lover is leaving also. He's, he took all his shit, like you're both leaving. It's like the first two stanzas are your decision to leave, and then the second two are his decision to leave. And then the carpet now is fucking going. <laughs> like so, everything is just collapsed. It's, everywhere. it's all over now. Yeah. This I maybe I could have brought this up earlier. So I never thought there was a connective tissue necessarily through this song. I didn't think it was a, a straightforward narrative. I thought they were all just independent, as Bob is wanting to do, like a nice poetic idea. I have a great little yeah. poem idea, and they sound good together, and they kind of have a theme. And in that idea. I was like, because I couldn't figure out the narrative. I, I kept seeing just little scenes because that's how yeah. each verse was. No more is it evident to me in this one than in the lyrical changes of that versus uh, brokenhearted and not brokenhearted. Because in my head, I was seeing it as yeah. like somebody who has gone through a breakup yeah, and maybe watching their ex through, right? So it's like yet another person is coming through your fucking revolving door because ladies She's come, ladies go out your revolving Absolutely. door. So if it's brokenhearted, it feels like this person's in a new relationship. And if it's not brokenhearted, it's just like, here's another one for the, the fucking notch on the bed sheet. And brokenhearted implies a little bit. Something. Like you are the one, like that person, the other person that not, that who isn't the brokenhearted lover broke their heart. Like, so they yeah. need to be the villain. 
I want to read this just because I thought of this while I was um, doing this podcast that I do called Sign on the Window with my friend Kelly and Thanks. sometimes with Kendra. Yeah. <laughs> There's a 1965 interview with someone that you guys know, Nor Efron. Mm. So Zach she, Efron's mom. Yeah, that's who she is. Is it really? Not no, I don't think so either. <laughs> but she wrote like Sleepless in Seattle. And stuff. Yeah, she did like, a bunch she of was, She time. was a huge... So when she started, she was just like a writer and just an interviewer. So she interviewed Bob Dylan. Mr. Bob Dylan... Do you consider yourself primarily a poet? No, we have our ideas about poets. The words don't mean any more than the word house. There are people who write poems and people who write poems. Other people write poems. Oh, God. Everybody who writes poems, do you call them a poet? There's a certain kind of rhythm in some kind of way that's visible. You don't necessarily have to write to be a poet. Some people work at gas stations and they're poets. I don't call myself a poet because I don't like the word. I'm a trapeze artist. <laughs> yeah. What I meant was, <laughs> do you think your words stand without the music? They would stand, but I don't read them. I'd rather sing them. I write things that aren't songs. I have a book coming out. Oh, what is it? It's a book of words. Uh, is it like the back of your albums? Seems to me uh, that the album copy you write is a lot like the writing of William Burroughs. Some of the like accidental sentences. Uh, <laughs> yes, and some of the imagery and anecdotes. Uh, I wondered if you'd read anything by him, Burroughs. Well, I haven't read Naked Lunch, but you know, I read some shorter things in little magazines, foreign magazines. Uh, I read one in Rome. I know him. I don't really know him. But I met him once. I think he's a great man. <laughs> Burroughs keeps an album, a collection of photographs that illustrates his writing. Do you have anything similar to that? I do that too. I have a photograph of Gates of Eden, of It's All Over Now, Baby Blue. I saw them after I wrote those songs. People send me a lot of things, and a lot of the things are pictures. So other people must have that idea too. I got to admit, maybe I wouldn't have chosen them, but I can still see what it is about the pictures. You thought each one of these stances was its own weird standalone piece of poetic nonsense, more yeah. or less. Yeah. And and it could still be interpreted that way. Like, this is just our interpretation. Who's to say it's right or wrong or anything in yeah. between? And Bob Dylan definitely wouldn't tell you one way or the other. For no. Sure. He'd I be mean, like, it's up to you. To, oh, yeah. You listen to him read that, and he had nothing to say. Any final thoughts yeah. on verse three? Uh, I, I like, let's see, where, where are we? Like, uh, lover two, man, it, two. we are right now. Like the carpet two is moving under you to me is literally the direct opposition to the sky two is folding under you. Like, yeah. like it's just the exact opposite place. Like we were so high and now we are in that moment where everything, everything has been taken away from us. Where like, where like your lover's gone. Leave your stepping stones behind. Now, something calls for you. Forget the dead. 
you've left. They will not follow you. The vagabond who's rapping at your door is standing in the clothes that you once wore. Strike a match. Another one. Go start anew. Because it's all over now, baby blue. Is that the cold wind? That's the ghost clapping. Oh, the, that's the ghost, ghost clapping, clapping. Which doesn't sound like clapping, sounds like rushing wind, Ooh. famously. All ghost stuff sounds like rushing wind. Ooh. I had such a hard time wrapping my head around like the timeline. It kept on being a circular timeline. I was like, wait, is the vagabond me then? Or is it me in the future? Am I going to be the vagabond? Or was, was, was I the vagabond? I'm not too sure, but I think it's like a continuous, ongoing, cyclical thing where I will always come on top and then I will always lose everything. And then I will come back on top and then I will lose everything. And it's yes. life is just this cyclical mat mixture of me being the vagabond and, the, and coming back and getting the clothes. And it's just, it will always be like that. That's how I never, never judge yourself because... You know, it's that. Don't judge yourself. Trust <laughs> judge yourself. yourself. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, if you got one foot in the past and one in the, in the future, you're going to yeah. piss all over the present. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Glorious. That's all I got to say about that. <laughs> <gotta> say. <laughs> That's deep. <laughs> I mean, this, this connects to the highway and the gambling of it. It's like. You know, if you're identifying with a vagabond, like that's the type of person that would gamble their life away. Mm-hmm. So it's almost if you're thinking about the highway down the road, then if that person showed up at your door, that's the person that would have gambled on the highway. Yeah, gambled that, with their the life. The person you want to be, and they sh- yeah, right. Or the person it, you should or help. It turned out fucking terribly. Yeah, I I like also in this stance that there's a lot of hope, like. Uh, now something calls for you, right? Strike another match. Go. That's a new fire. Go start a new. Like, like it's sad, but there's so much picking back up and lift back up in this last verse. Get used to it. Go on on your adventure. Life's not over yet. Stop crying. Like, go. Get out of here, Paul. Whatever. <laughs> Kendra, does this song work in 2021? Well, Daniel, I listened to it this whole last week. It's been stuck in my head. Usually I hate that. I have loved it. I love it. I love it. I love this song. Whatever, Kelly. I know you have your gripes. I know you had your ups and downs. I know you I had like your it. I know you had your uh, your struggles, your uh your crazy patterns in the sheets with this song, but uh <laughs> I did. So you're on the fence. I love uh, it. Kelly. <laughs> Kelly, what did you think about this song overall? And this conversation too, obviously, everything. Insert a clip of me saying it's an acoustic song, so it still works. Uh which is True. But I think it works on another level that he continues to reinvent it. Every time he's bringing it out, at least the versions that we saw every decade, or we saw, we listened to, he's changed it. 
changed yeah. up a little bit at least, right? And he's, he's still breathing life into it. He's still trying to... still feels important. It still feels pressure. It still feels... And, like, that's why bisexual Bob is such a great thing. Like, I, I really... I hope that he, like... I hope that's true. One. And two, it. I hope I that it. when he sings it, he thinks about that guy, you know? And yeah. Like, that life and all the things that this song is trying to tell you, which is... Move on. I mean, I have no answer for this. I just have my notes say, fuck yes. <laughs> fuck so, yes. Yes, it's simple. all over now, baby blue. Fuck yes. <laughs> That's beautiful. <laughs> <laughs> all right, ready? Yeah. Okay, so. Really? Okay, come on, Brian. This is an emergency. We're recording right now before the next shot. Blink, blink, blink. No, no, we're all going to get together. So it's all good. I'm not worried about, I'm not worried about curdled milk. Over there. Get away from me. Get in front of your mic. Jimmy cheers. This is for Sally Grossman again. And for what's his name? And for Paul Clayton. Paul Clayton. And drink. I'm sorry, did I just hear a giant splash? That was me drinking. Faster than everyone, yet again. Oh, nice. All right, we. L- this is the end of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> it's the what of the what? <laughs> All real. right, this is the end of the episode. <laughs> I don't think we've ever said that before. Everything's going downhill. <laughs> we are a real podcast. Clap of the post. That right. A real podcast. And if you want to follow us, you can follow us at SHTW Pod everywhere. Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. We have a Patreon. We have a Patreon. We're here for music. And we have a playlist every week that's live that you can subscribe to. See that my playlist is kept clean. It's going to get updated in real time so you can know what song we're actually doing. Or you can go to our website, SHTWPod.com. And you can see the show notes for every one of these episodes. You're like, I love this song. Love what they're talking about. I want to listen to the playlist. Bam. And this is a supersized playlist because of this person sitting to my left, Kendra. Well, I felt really inspired this week by this song. Excellent. And I love it. And we're going to talk about it. So I want to hear your thoughts about it. But first, welcome back to the playlist for the second time. Vampire Weekend. Hannah Hunt. I'm surprised it's only the second time. Second time, crazy. This was my choice. It was nothing about chords. It was nothing about lyrics. It was just being out in the world. That's all it was. But what Daniel didn't realize is that his music theory, his inner little baby music theory nerd was like, are those the same chords? Because they are. (gasps) So yeah, if you listen to it, especially like because it's the one right after uh, the first iteration of It's All Over Now, Baby Blue, I thought for some reason it was like a weird end to the actual... uh, Bob Dylan song because it is the same chords. I mean, it does like it changes drastically later, but like I was like, "Whoa, that's fucking rad!" So oh, wow. even though you didn't know, that's why you thought it was a similar you vibe. Still knew yeah. for the fifth time, the great Nina Simone. My Ooh. baby just cares for me. Beautiful. Beautiful. Death Cat for Cutie. Third time, I will follow you into the dark. I'm sorry that for me that was the same thing. I was just like, "This is just a vibe." <laughs> we talked about not ever going to see Bob Dylan in this episode. We'll never see King Cruel. For the fourth time, Baby Blue, four times. Supremes, 
four times. Baby love. I mean, come on. Mm-hmm. Baby, baby love. My baby this. love. I mean, eventually we'll have all their stuff, too. I'm right. That making so four for the Supremes, Diana Ross, of course. Uh, Johnny Cash, though, 12 straight up. Yeah, and Dylan and Bob are inseparable. I mean, like, they, I don't know. I uh, They have they did their a whole album. I, they and did a and I always Cash think of a Wanted Man. Yeah. When I think of them together, I think of the song they did together, Wanted Man. Wanted Man from Louisiana. Wanted Man from Tennessee. And, like, they're literally just saying different places <laughs> over each other and laughing. How, it's just amazing. This is great. You've spoiled yourself well, for a future. I'm sure episode. more of a student of Cash than than Dylan. I, I am. Really. I, I am. I, I mean, I've listened to neither really. So, wow. <laughs> showing my music. It's a ass. really cute song. I should have put it on the playlist. I'm sorry. Joni Mitchell five times, and this is not counting the intro to Blue. "What's the Story, Baby Blue." Well, it's funny, like the Johnny Cash has the fun little intro, and then we get right to Joni Mitchell, who also has a fun little intro. And uh-huh. I, it's interesting that you mentioned that it was an archive project, like her own little bootleg from the thing. '67. Yeah. Because I try to look the song up because the riff is fucking awesome. She's such a great guitarist, and yeah, I really need to like listen to her shit. Because really holy do. shit, a musician. She's and I like really wanted to play that riff, and I couldn't find the chords anywhere no. because it's not a popular song. No. So I was like, Dang. I don't think it's on anything. You found glory number two, two times. My friends over you. Wonder Years for the fourth time, an elegy for Baby Blue. Nirvana for the third time. Muhammad M. Game is strong. Blue. Blue. Blue as in the, the past tense of blow. Yeah. Not yes. really like the yeah. color. Because I've been doing that for a playlist recently where I'm like, what's a homonym of the word of the song? I'm yeah, going to yeah. put that motherfucker in there. It's been tough. A perfect circle, though. Not a homonym. Blue. Uh-huh. This is a Leah song. And I like, completely a forgot Leah's about it. Four. Four times for a perfect circle. Yeah. I, and I listened to it and was just sad. I get that. Yeah. And the cranberries. Two times. All over now, we did a whole podcast on the cranberries. This it was, was good. I was strange. actually kind of surprised that it really feels like old cranberries. Welcome to the podcast for the very first time. A lot of artists. Charlotte Dos Santos, It's All Over, or It's Over, Bobby. Okay, right. Fantastic. I thought that was fun, too. It was a little homonym because I was like, I it's know. all over, Bobby. Bidu. <laughs> Bob, Bob Bobby Dylan. Blue. <laughs> or Bob Dylan. Oh, yeah. Ah! I didn't even, even better. Even better. Bobby, Bobby, Bobby! Didn't even make that connection. A band that Kendra and I have seen live. And love, but Kelly hates. Close and personal, and Kelly hates. Death Heaven, Baby Blue. I know, I thought that was amazing. I was like, oh my god, you're right. They do have a song called that. That's her reputation of this story. I absolutely love uh, that song until you start screaming. I don't know why that young man has to scream like that. So she, <laughs> she loves the intro. She loves the intro. And the, the weird traffic report. Screaming can go in the traffic report after this. Kiron? <laughs> it's all over? Yeah, uh, she pronounces it Kurion. Which is like the way that Japanese person would say Korean. Korean. Oh, she's Japanese. Nice. So it's like a weird, like a little Whoa. play on words. Uh, uh, also, EDM, also really pretty. Um, she takes a lot of inspiration from 90s EDM. Mm hmm. I know, it was a little Oakenfold, I thought. better or worse, yeah. Like, so it's, <laughs> the song that's on our playlist, It's All Over, is uh, the best one of hers. And it's on a compilation album. Um, Angie Deep, who I don't know who that is, but it's Angie Deep presents something, Volume yes. 1. Um, and I would say that this is probably the best track. But it's, it's a whole bunch of different artists. This is just the one that Korean um, added to it. But her stuff's kind of hit or miss for me. It's generally okay. There's parts where I'm like, oh yeah, that's like some bonobo shit that I could totally get down on. Yeah. And then it feels really dated with some of the 90s stuff she gets into. Okay. She's still around? She's still making Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. No, this, the, I mean, that album just came out last year. Oh, so. wow. Okay. 
but okay. check, yeah, I would say check her out. Marianne Faithful. Yes. Oh, is one of our only covers of this song. It's like to me, it's like that Mazzy Star vibe yeah. where it's just like, you know, reverb and sad and ladylike and beautiful and it's, it's just it, like my favorite style I'm and it's my favorite it's from the 80s it sounds not from the 80s it's kind of, kind of timeless yeah yeah like, this was my personal favorite version of the song yeah. that i heard is this version you must leave now take what you need you think will last but whatever you wish to keep you'd better grab it fast yonder stands your orphan with his gun crying like a fire in the sun look out the saints are coming through well two things you have to account for at your trial is uh three days grace it's all over that's number one what what do you what can you say about that oh i i didn't like that song at all i just put it on there because because you thought we hated ourselves (laughs) they're the ones as i lie here awake that's that band right i think they're terrible i i I don't know i don't know kelly i'm not too sure i'm not the expert on three days great oh yeah i hate everything about you yeah that sounds terrible not just no it's not you love you that's Um, them right that's totally them yeah um but uh but they have a song called it's all over and i listened to it and it was Horrible! I don't like this band. And us by proxy, apparently. And us by proxy. <laughs> Number two to add on to that, Eiffel sixty five. <laughs> so uh, I okay. put it on well, and removed my, it immediately. It's I mean, Kendra was like, Boop. the track that Spotify did not have, which I was looking for, was deepest, bluest. My head is like a shark spin. To me, okay. So I'm just gonna take a moment. Uh, this LL Cool J uh, devotee song that came from the movie Deep Blue Sea was not on Spotify, so I couldn't put it on the playlist. But this song is amazing, and um, I became obsessed with it after I saw it, which I went and found it after the you know trying to find Deep Blue Sea songs after this song and. Yeah, it's a it's it's LL Cool J in a little swimming pool with his nipples hanging out, and he says his hat is like a shark's fin, but it is not like a shark's fin at any point in the video. No, he's wearing a do rag. He's wearing a do rag. <laughs> and it is the most like intense hardcore. Like, oh my god, this is so insane. Let's get this now. And I was like, there's no way LL Cool J wrote this. And then I look at I looked at the lyrics, and oh my god, the lyrics are insane to this song. He's like, he is like. Kind of describing the movie a little bit, which I had forgotten all about the plot. There was a plot to Deep Blue Sea. I've never seen the movie. You've never seen Deep Blue Sea? But I have seen the video. Oh man! Oh man! Yeah! Holy shit! So I guess they're like doing some shark human hybrid testing shit. I forgot all about this, but LL Cool J is rapping about how like. Oh man, these sharks are so badass. Even fucking God can't fucking stand in their way and they will kill you, motherfucker. It is insane. It's so hardcore and so crazy. And his hat is like a shark's fin. But not at all. But not at all. But and um, I literally watched it 
a hundred times and I became obsessed and and then I like dreamed about it and now I can't <laughs> stop so thinking about I mean it's all over the YouTube you will see it oh, also yeah. the YouTube comments are hilarious I just it was like my new room like oh, I texted great. it to everybody I knew I was like do you guys remember and if you don't look at this Yeah. There used to be a television network called Music Television, shortened to MTV. M oh, uh, oh, yes. And uh, they had a series called Making the Video. Yes. And this song yes. happened to be on an episode of Making I the Video. I do think I Tell me everything you know. I mean, all I really remember was... I what were they thinking with the nipples part? That I was not mentioned specifically. All I remember was LL Cool J being in, in like a, a cube of a room with gallons of water being shot out of him at an incredibly high velocity. And the blackout contacts that he had to wear like yes. fucked his eyes Because up. he turned into an animorph in that video. He animorphed into a shark in that video. At least it all meant something in the end. That's the end of that section. <laughs> Kendra, as a guest of this podcast, what were you doing this week that you want people to know about? Oh my goodness, I don't know if I really want people to know about this. I was drawing silly pictures and I was like really obsessing over Ren and Stimpy. Uh, <clears throat> they made a documentary about it. It's uh, it's called Happy Happy Joy Joy. It was appropriately Shocking. named. Um Phenomenal documentary. It's a really sad ending for Where everybody. Where can you watch that? Did you? Oh, I don't. I don't know. The internet is infinite. Okay. Uh, uh, yeah, I just watched it somewhere on the internet. Um, but uh, it, it's it's really it, it reinvigorated the 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 joy, so to speak, of the show within me. And um, I went and I, I ended up watching the entire series, like or three seasons of the series, and um, just appreciating how beautiful it was and how beautifully painted it was how beautifully illustrated and animated it was. They used a lot of really creative ideas, like they would end up animating words and just, they did things that no animators were doing at the time. And uh, so it's really like beautiful to see. It's, it's really awesome to see like how uh, Nickelodeon started Nicktoons with only three shows, which were Doug, Rugrats, and Ren and Stimpy, and how Ren and Stimpy just became like this incredible cult phenomenon with the help of music television and Mr. MTV. Uh, and and then kind of its downfall and how it sort of uh, devolved from there. And again, it has a really sad ending, but I recommend anybody who's interested in cartoons or animation or illustration. Or even a nostalgia to, factor. Or, or, or yeah, even, age, even a nostalgia sure. factor to check it out. And, and again, I watched the whole show. It was just so beautiful. Very cool. Oh, I mean, I'm, I'll definitely, I want to check that out for sure. Um, I watched Quincy, which is on Netflix. Uh, it's the documentary produced by Rashida Jones, appropriately, because Quincy Jones is her father. Um, but yeah, it's all about Quincy Jones, and uh, I did not know that that dude was involved in almost everything that you he was think a little, of. like Bob Dylan, right? Like, well, I mean, not only he—he's no, he's a giant music producer. He did make some of his own albums, but mostly he was a producer on some of. The, I mean, he's the reason Ever. Michael Jackson had a career to begin with. He was like the thriller, the idea of even doing a thriller video that was all him. He composed the the movie The Color Purple 
was yeah. all him. He really? produced yeah. it. He did the entire score. There's a, a like a quick download of, of stats about him, and it's like 1,700 original scores, of 3,000 songs, like all the, the guy did so so much, and I just like could not believe it. It was yeah. really incredible to watch. And we watched Dan and I watched Sound of Metal. And uh, I mean, I know it's like nominated for or winning all the awards. Best picture, best original screenplay, best actor, and best film editing, and best sound. I'm not deaf, but I think that they did a really great job. I I knew that it was about um, him losing his hearing, the main character is Ahmed's character. But I thought it was going to be a little more about music than it was. It was no, it's about very deafness. much just like that's the yeah the circumstances that deafness. he's a drummer, but it's about someone who is hearing who becomes deaf. Is he like feeling it versus hearing it? Because sound waves are just vibrations, right? And a vibration is a physical, tangible thing. So yes, you're, you're accurate. Making concussive noise. All energy is actually a physical, tangible thing. <laughs> so that was a huge part of this movie, and it was fucking great. Yeah. I recommend Nomadland. Which is up for a bunch of awards, too. Which is up for Best Picture of the Year, Best Director of the Year. That's good. Um, Did you guys see uh, My Octopus Teacher? No. Talk about, like, like just, oh, my God, my love. That's Netflix, I'm pretty sure. It's just, like, Netflix, super easy, 90 minutes, beautiful. It's about this, like, dude who lives off of the horn of um, South Africa, and he's oh, just like, I'm depressed as fuck. I hate my life. I hate my children. I hate my life. Like, I'm just depressed as fuck. And he just starts going diving. And then he goes diving, and then he finds this octopus. Well, he finds this octopus behaving very strangely, or at least, like, nothing he's ever seen before. Like, it gathers, like, all of these shells and rocks and stones, and then, like, holds it all together as, like, a weird defense shield sort of thing. And he's like, what in the fucking fuck is this? <laughs> and then he's like, oh, my God, it's an octopus, like, being really smart. And then for 315 days, he follows this octopus and becomes great friends with her. Oh, it's going to die. Yes, of course <sighs> it dies in the end. But, like, this, it's so beautiful. Like, it comes up to him and, like, dances with him. And she, like, comes up to him and, like, snuggles him and, like, holds him and embraces him after she knows who he is after a long time. She only dies because she gives birth. Oh, yeah. And he knows, oh. he's like, he sees the mail come and he sees the mating happen and oh. he just knows. He's like, oh, this is going to be it. These are numbered. She, she gives birth to thousands and thousands of eggs and then her corpse just sort of floats oh. away and then he watches, he like films the whole thing and he watches like a shark just take it and go. Oh, and it's, it's so beautiful, beautiful. but he, it like gives him faith in the planet. It gives yeah. him faith, not just in humanity, but in Circle life. It's the cyclical. Life. Yeah, cyclical and nature. and like I mean, it the made me cry. Cyclical. I just thought it was the most beautiful thing I've seen in so long. It was just so incredible. Very cool. I also music wise, I basically only listened to Kudian's whole thing, but then I also listened to Daniel's 1960s playlist a little bit. And to jump on one of Daniel's recommendations from forever ago, people just do nothing. We've been watching a couple episodes of that, and it made me remind me of Sub FM, and I just like so funny. So people just do nothing is a like a it's the office version of. A pirate, a pirate radio station in London, and it's but it plays all drum and bass garage music. So it's really funny, and it's so funny for me because Daniel like has not been involved in this world, but my brother has been like very into jungle and drum and bass. Like all the little things they're doing to make fun of these guys who are running—they're total fucking idiots. And it's just like the whole thing. It's all real though, and it just made me think of Sub FM because they're just like listening to music, just saying we're just like, no, no, like who's gonna get shot? Bop, 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 bop. Come on, come on, come on! And it's just like that is all. And you're like, brain. 
I've seen grind now. Put it on the mic. One, two, three. Tuesday, Wednesday. Who's gonna get shot? Who's gonna get shot? What? 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 It's just like. Yeah. 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 And it's just hey, so hey. funny because it's <laughs> so <laughs> accurate. <laughs> I love it. So yeah. Cool. Anyway, people just do nothing, and then as a tangent, subfn, which I didn't actually explain what that is. Subfm is like a little what used to be a pirate radio station in England. Uh, and they have a streaming, like you can just get the app if you just go oh. to your app store and go to Sub FM. It's just a yeah. streaming radio playing all Jungle Garage Drum Embrace all the time with every MC you could want saying Jungle. all that shit. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, no, it's popping off right now. Big up to 384. Eyes are worth mercy. We transmit throughout the whole of West London. Obviously, once you get to Shepherd's Bush, it, it, it's a bit, it gets a bit, yeah, white noisy, yeah, but yeah, we yeah. still got a lot of fans down Bush, White City. I reckon there's quite a lot of people that drive closer to the transmitter in the car yeah, yeah. and maybe set up a recording. Bring a picnic. The new format for picking the next week's song. So we're going to choose random words. But today we have a guest with us. And I feel like we should give a bit of deference to her. So as opposed to picking random words, I think that we should pick some of Kendra's favorite words. Now, we usually pick from five words, or it has become typical, we pick from five words. So, Kendra, why don't you just throw out a couple of your favorite words? Now, you don't have to go to five, but just whatever comes to the top of your head. All right, well, vehicular manslaughter. No, 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 no. Well, okay, so here, as a suggestion, vehicle. you do vehicle. Vehicle. We could do man, man and, and slaughter. slaughter. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. <gasps> My heart feels so happy. Great. I mean, I think it's just the, most, the best compromise we can get to. There's okay. no vehicle. Man, man, I'm a man of peace. Great. All the lyrics. Yeah, man gives us. How many? Potentially 278. Okay. Oh my god. Oh, that's too many. All right, so do we have anything for slaughter? We can just do that. Let's just let's just go with slaughter. So he's going to give you the lyric that the the word slaughter is in of these songs. So you're going to pick based on the lyrics solely what which song. What the best one is. Oh, I love this game. Okay. It's an objectively better way to pick the song. It's amazing. Number one, the world's being slaughtered. Okay, remember that. I'll just slaughter them where they lie. <laughs> they found and slaughtered each other. They found, they and, found slaughtered and slaughtered each other. each other. So wait, we got, I already forgot. We've got, um, they slaughter, slaughtered them where they lie. Slaughtered them where they lie. The world's being slaughtered. The world's being slaughtered. They slaughtered them where they lie. Slaughtered them where they lie. And let's slaughter each other. Slaughter each other. Man, this is getting exciting. I really wanted to go for slaughter them where they lie. Well, could I pick that one? Yeah. Because that is like hardcore. Yeah. I mean, I'm down with can that. Do that. Yeah. All right, guys. Yeah. And it is. Uh, it is a song from Modern Times. Dude. It's a song called "Ain't Talking." Kelly, Ain't talking. Ain't talking, Kendra. I wish you could be here. We love you, but That's we'll okay. see you next year. <laughs> Ain't talking no more. Goodbye. Ain't talking no more. We'll see you next week for, no, next episode for, for that. Bye. If I catch my opponents ever sleep, I'll just slaughter them where they lie.